We now turn to the word of God this morning and I love his word. And we're here in Exodus chapter 20. We've slowed down to look at the Ten Commandments. So if you have your, your Bibles and want to look, it's, it's Exodus 20. We'll be covering a huge, massive, long, single verse this morning. So it's not difficult to understand what the sentence says. We're just in the middle of really considering what the Ten Commandments are, right? What they do for us, and, and we're so tempted in our Christian lives especially because we've been now saved by God and, and, and turned to him and repented, and here we are together. And it's so easy to think that these are sort of our instructions for basic living, and, and we can do them. And slowly over the time that we live as Christians, we begin to get better and better at them so that we need less of this forgiveness stuff that you know started us out in the Christian life. Because we're doing it. We also tend to think the Ten Commandments remain sort of God's umbrella of protection or his ladder for favor. If we do them, if we climb them, then God will bless us and our lives will go well and, 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 and it will be sort of in the right spot. The whole contention we've had so far, and this is our third week on this, we'll look closely, is that it's not a ladder. It's more like one of those car crushers. Have you ever seen those? You put the car in and you press the button and it goes, and it compacts you into something small and little because, because they are not doable. We can't jump them. We can't climb them. But sometimes I really think I can. So one purpose of the series we're in is to walk through this meticulously to show you that none of us are pulling them off to sort of pull off the oughts. And so I want to pile them on you. I, I want you to agree with me that they mean this and, and, and you aren't doing them. Super important to understand that, to get that. And, and then this sort of thing that, that comes in, and, and, and I'll get it. I've gotten it already, but we'll get it some more. It's this idea of, yeah, 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 Dax, I get it. The Ten Commandments are impossible, but, but now that I have the Holy Spirit, I've been empowered to do them. And, and we can argue over whether or not the Holy Spirit empowers you at all to do them, but that's a theological question. The reality, the functional question is, do you do them? Whether or not you're claiming the Holy Spirit is empowering you. In fact, that's worse if you're saying the Holy Spirit's empowering you to do them and you're not doing them. <laughs> that would be horrible, right? And yet, if you really look hard at the Ten Commandments, you're not doing them. Not at the level that God requires. So I don't really care if you want to argue the Holy Spirit's empowering you. He's not actually getting it done then. You're saying something negative about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's awesome, by the way. We all have him. He's our seal. He's our guarantee. He's everything for us. Okay, so it, I want you to see that it's even more condemning. And so today we're considering the third commandment. If you memorize them when you were younger, it's them or using the sort of the traditional Reformed Protestant. You know, everybody's got a little bit different view of what the ten are, but we're using that list. And uh, and and this is it. Exodus twenty verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I really love the irony even in this verse of the very command. The translators have taken out the name of God, which is Yahweh, and put in another word, Lord, so that we don't take it in vain, you know. So what is this? 
If you're with me today, say, okay, we're going to have a lesson on swearing today. I can see we're going to talk about things we say. Is that what it is? Are we going to talk about expletive avoidance? I like the word expletive. Say it 10 times fast. No, don't do it now. (laughs) Oh, I was good at this when I was a kid. For a whole season of my sort of elementary school existence, I was the playground kid who loved to say like words you can never say. You know, you can go through almost the whole alphabet, A word, B word, C word, and you can come up, don't, gosh, I knew, see, I see people's faces right now. Don't fill it in. These words, right? We kind of think, hey, this is, this is about that. This is, or, or, or you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna not use the word God and instead use the word gosh or golly. Well, golly, well, heck. No, that's just a kind of thing for H-E double hockey sticks. So we start thinking about the words. We start thinking about the different words we use to try and say, hey, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're not, uh, we're going to clean it up. That's not a bad thing. The Bible speaks very clearly against coarse and rough speech. We're not to speak that way, and often we do. But this is talking about taking the Lord's name in vain, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? You shall not take the name of the, it's not, you shall not use coarse language for anything. You say, well, no, okay, so this is about not, not using the God word, but you know, God is not the name of God. It's a descriptive word. God's name is Yahweh. So it's pretty easy for us at the end of the day, either to control the sounds coming out of our mouth or to like substitute in some other word, sounds that aren't the sounds that we think are, and to say we've done this. But that's not right, right? You can't in your heart think, want to use the name of God to weight some sort of epitaph, you want to say, and come out with some other sounds and it not be wrong. Now, if I say golly, it may not offend you, but in my heart, I'm saying Yahweh. God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, however I want to say. That's wrong. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't think it in my heart. I shouldn't wait it. Okay. And I think, you know, I did that when I was a kid. I condemn it now, and I see even the little, uh, you know, text, and it says OMG. I know what that G stands for. Don't do it. It's bad. You're taking the name of the Lord in vain. And you have these whole pieces, right, where you start, you start thinking, and I've done okay now. I don't swear with God or Jesus or Christ. I don't say G-O-D, damn it, none of that. And I'm using it as an example, right, to say we can use with flippant language, use the name of the Lord in ways that aren't right, and that's bad. I hardly ever do that. Good. On to commandment four. No. No, that's not what this means, right? You know that's not what this means. You know this doesn't mean stop using the S word or the F word, whatever it is that you use. You know this doesn't mean stop like, sub, like taking words out. You know this doesn't mean never use God's name, his, his name Yahweh, and so therefore we pat ourselves on the back and say we've done this. Right? That's, that's not the command. Will you think about the words with me? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Take, it doesn't even say speak. What does it mean to take him in vain? 
So that word take, you know, that means lift up. That means carry. That means represent. And, and he's, he's talking to Israel who, who are going to be his people. You know, you're going to bear my name. You're going to represent me. You're going to be the people that show me off to everybody else. He says, don't you dare bear, carry, and include speaking. I, I, it's, it's not wrong to say, don't you dare speak flippantly of God. No, never do it. I do it sometimes. I'm not perfect. But most of us, it, this is even deeper, right? Don't you dare even represent him wrongly. Well, okay, but why, why does it say the name? I mean, what's, what's with? Well, that's the context they're in, right? It meant something deeply to the people these thousands of years ago when that was written. The name is the actual depth of the character and person of God for them. It's not the consonants of his name. <laughs> right? It's to take up someone's name is to represent them, to bear that image, to speak for them, to be a representative. Say, so don't, don't take that in, in, in vain. I have a, a verse from the New Testament. This is um, from Colossians. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do, do you hear that? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus representing him, being part of him. As you go around, you're, you're, you're imaging him, you're doing all you can there. You're supposed to be that way. Right, so, so we, we weight God wrongly in representing him and considering him in his realm. Don't take that representation of him in vain. Well, what's, what's in vain? Let's back up to that just for a minute. In vain. Don't take his name in vain. That word means empty, hollow, worthless, w- without purpose. Okay, okay. So you see, right? The focus of the command is not really on speaking. This is the command of God. God wrote 10 commands for people. He wrote them out of stone to his people. He said, this is, this is it. You do this. And the thing you're to do is to not ever use his authority for your own benefit. Justify your own actions. Represent him wrongly. Take away from his holiness and who he is and, and, and misrepresent him in any way. Don't do it. All of a sudden, I'm going, wait a minute. It, it seems like it's starting to sound hard. I thought this was the easy one. I, I wonder if other theologians took it this way. Or could it, they just, just, it, it just is this the thing is just swap out God's name with Lord, and then you're going to be okay because you're not actually using his name and saying, no. What I want to do is to help us see, I'm, I'm hoping today you can agree with me, that this is a heavy command that we we don't do very well. So I'm going to show you what Martin Luther did. He did four phrases, four statements about what it means to keep this command. And I just want to expose you to it because I think that it reflects well what this command actually means. So we're not there yet. Let's, let's, let's stay there. So, so essentially this idea, there's four pieces 
helpful. The first one is this. We are to praise God for all of his benefits. This is what it means to not take his name in vain. Praise God continuously for all of his benefits. See, if you're going to say, I weight him rightly, if you're going to say, I'm not just flipping him around, if you're going to say, I get this, the depth of what God has done for me, then you're going to continuously and, and, and all, in all ways praise God for his benefits. This is keeping the third commandment. The, the idea is to give him proper weight. The most proper weight is to praise him for everything. Go ahead. I know you've done it several times so far, probably many. Take a breath. <sighs> Did you praise God for that breath? I know mostly for me, I praise God by, by praying at mealtimes. Thanks for the food, Lord. Let's chow down. Is that praising God for all his benefits? He does so much more than food. <laughs> He says so much more than anything else. Everything about us. Oh, the Bible has this emphasis, right? We read one this morning. My praise is continually on my lips, the psalmist writes. And, and I'd say, okay, I, I read that too. And sometimes I sing these songs. Lord, my praise is continually on, on, on my lips. Is it? Is God's praise continually on your lips? Even more, is God's praise continually in your heart? All the time, every minute? How about when you're, you're hammering and you smash your finger when you're trying to get the nail in? Praise Jesus. See what I did there? See how bad that actually is? I used the name of the Lord in vain, but then I'm actually underneath it continuing to say I actually don't help praise God in all things because I forget or I don't or I don't think it's important and there I go and I'm, I'm off to the races and just assuming all of these things that God blesses me for that I never thank him for. And maybe I do thank him for him once every 20 years. Well, don't ask me to thank you for my kids. They, they're not being very good right now. <laughs> Everything. All the time. Look what you get. Look what you get. And so to continually do that, you know, we should be all the time praising God. I think the Bible has this emphasis. Most of my prayers, honestly, are sort of help me, God. Prayers, you know. Do I have ears that hear? Do I have eyes that see? Do I, do I see God's provision of me, God's protection of me? Do I have nonstop praise and thanksgiving without ceasing? And every time we fail to have a heart of thanksgiving, moment by moment, we take his name in vain. We aren't giving him the, the worth. We are making him common. You know, yesterday was like today, will be like tomorrow. What's, what's that called? That's called common. The other word for in the Bible in the Old Testament for common is profane. Everything about God is the most special thing you'll ever know your whole life. And he loves you and he adores you and he's done things for you you can't even imagine. And we don't respond like that like all the time to this amazing love of God that it's called the steadfast love because it never changes. My praise falters, I fail. That's, that's how demanding this command is. And this goes down to the level of everyday living, but it includes, why would I ever be down? Why would I ever have a glimmer of disappointment or sadness with a God who's for me every moment?
It includes, uh, you know, why would I ever be angry or frustrated at what God is doing in my life? He is at work and I don't like it. I don't like what he did last week. I profane his name by being his kid and representing him like he's not for me, not only in the things we say, in the things we should say, but we don't say, and then in the things I think in my heart. I don't love the people God loves. That's profaning his name, you know. Sins of omission, sins of commission, every good thing I take for granted on a daily basis. We fail to praise God for all his benefits, and I break it. I take his name in vain. Even when I keep it on the outside, I am, by definition, I'm an empty tomb because on the inside, I'm not. How about you? That's the first one. (laughs) We got three more. (laughs) Oh, no. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. We are not just to praise him for all his benefits continually. We are to guard ourselves against all worldly honor and praise. Because you see, you're taking up his name, Christian. We are dying and we've come to life. That means everything good ever in my life and anything that might happen is his glory, his work, his amazing, and not me, you know. But I use God for me. We use God for us. I, I, I'm to give God all the credit for everything, all the time. And my, my hearts resonate with this, but I instinctively go after recognition. Nathan preached a couple weeks ago. He did a great job. So people come, hey, Nathan did a great job preaching. I'm like, yeah, he did, huh? But I always managed to sneak it. You know, we worked on that for weeks at a time. I helped him a lot. <laughs> Why do I do that? <laughs> Why do you know you're, you're cleaning the church afterwards and you're taking the communion down and, you're, and a little bit you're like, man, I hope people see this. I'm working for Jesus. And other people will see me doing it. <laughs> see how you feel if part of the project you're with and then people start thanking people in the project and they thank them and they thank them and they thank them. They skip you. They think and they think and they think. You'll be so mad. We want a little recognition. I'm doing it right. I, 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 look, it's, it's about me too. And, and this is breaking the third commandment. Because God says, and it brings over to the New Testament, right? Anything you do good, you are what? An unworthy servant. Anything good you ever do. No, 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 I did something good here. This commandment means giving God all the credit all the time in your heart, not just on the outside, but inside. Our thirst for credit discredits God. We want some glory, and that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I want a little acknowledgement. Whenever we make a contribution, we don't get recognition, right? Feeling overlooked, robbed. What about God? I mean, think about that for a minute. I feel overlooked. Man, if I feel overlooked for nothing, think how overlooked God would feel (laughs) at all the ways that he blesses you and me and all the ways that he takes care of you and me and all the ways that day by day he's working everything out and we ignore him. (laughs) We give him a tiny bit of, you know, like throw away. Thanks for the sandwich, God. Bless this food in my body. What about the air? 
What about your relationships? What about the, 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 every single thing in your life that he's taking care of? What about I mean, just so much? And, and, and we, we, we don't. We... Keeping the third commandment is having minds and hearts that are always and immediately crediting God for all he does for us and provides for us all the time or you're guilty. How are you doing? Checking in. So praise him for all his benefits all the time. Uh, don't take any praise for yourself. Only him. We're going through Martin Luther's four areas that he said, this is what the third commandment's about. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. We are to call on God's name in every need. Well, now I'm feeling a little better because I feel like I, I call on God's name. I, I, I do this one at least. You know, God's my only hope. And if I need help, I call on him. But, but this idea is of total dependence, right? Total dependence. To not take God's name in vain means you realize that he is your supplier of every need. Here's what I do almost all the time. Uh, God gets for sure my big needs. Man, if I am under lots of stress and something's going down, help God passes my lips. (laughs) But that kind of implies that there's a lot of other things during the day that don't get to help God, doesn't it? Like, I need your help, God, to kind of restore the relationship I have with, with my, you know, with my brother who's broken. I just need that, Lord. I put, please help me there. I don't say, Lord, please help me get to church safely. And I got that handled. Me and my automobile, because it's been taken care of by the panacea. It's good to go. I don't need to, to, to ask and depend on God for the little things of every day. I certainly don't talk to him about it. I just talk to him about, you know, peace in Ukraine because I have no control over that I know I don't and man I want him to protect those people I want the war to go away I pray for peace that's a good thing it's good that we do and we need to do that but what about breakfast what about the air again we don't do it you guys we we do the big stuff we kind of make a nod towards it's kind of a partial nod towards doing this we don't actually or if we do we do it with bargaining you know, this is the idea of in their distress, in your distress, you call out to God. And it, it's not you bargain with God. This is to my shame. I don't know if you've done this. I did this in spades when I was a younger Christian. I'd say, Lord, help me, please. If you get me through this test, I will give you all the praise and glory. <laughs> what well, was all his praise and glory anyway? I was like, oh, well, thanks. I, I, I guess uh, I wasn't going to get any praise and glory. <laughs> Or even worse, stuff like, oh, Lord, if you please forgive me. I, I don't deserve forgive. If you forgive me, I will never, ever, ever do this again. I said for the thousandth time as I struggled with a sin that kept coming back. You have any of those? God, bargaining with God is, is taking his name in vain because he's not a bargainer. You are saying to him, make a bargain with me. And God says, it's, it's mercy that I give you. In Psalm 107, there's, there's two groups of people. One people who are in trouble because something's happened to them. And another group of people who are in trouble because they've done stupid things. And both of them, it says, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord and he answered them. It's not about, it's not about blame. It's not about making sure you clean it up. It's about the idea of receiving mercy because God is a great God of mercy and look what he's done. And, and look at the tax collector and the, and, and, and the Pharisee coming up and the tax collector says, have mercy. It's the other guy that's saying, Lord, thanks for making me a great guy. You want to represent God, 
well or you're taking his name in vain. You see, as you carry, as you bear his name, as you present him, as you present him as how you think of him. When you think of him wrongly, that's called taking it in vain. And we do. He doesn't say, I will answer you if you make a bargain with me. It doesn't say if you hang on to God, he will hang on to you. That is, that's not true. Right? You know, how terrible if your faith does waver, right? You're, you don't keep your bargains. Instead of fighting, you cave. You disobey. You let go. You fall back. And if God's faithfulness to us is dependent on my faithfulness to him, we are in such big trouble. And yet I, I, I present that. I am never the person I should be. When I kind of say, yeah, I am, you know, I've got it all together and therefore God um, responds well to me. If you would do what I do, then God would respond well to you too. That's taking his name in vain. He is not that God. By the way, if I really wanted to be able to say, oh, I'm keeping this, I'm not taking his name in vain, I would, I would need to say, I, what, I, what I do say with my mouth, the blood of Christ covers me. Does it not? Yes. But to keep this command, I have to say the blood of Jesus fully satisfies me. Right? Because that would give the weight and worthiness that God deserves. I can't say that in honesty. I don't think you can either. I, I can say Jesus fully satisfied God for me. I can say his blood covers me. I can say that. I can't say I'm now returning that beautifully. I can't wait him rightly in my flesh. I wish I could say I kept all my promises to God. That would keep this command and, but, and not take his name in vain. But, but I can say that God's kept all his promises to me. So the gospel isn't, you know, I'll courageously die for Jesus. But the gospel is he courageously died for me. That's why I like uh, this from a... A guy named Robert Capon, he said, God doesn't do business with anybody. He doesn't transact. He doesn't haggle. Salvation is a gift given, not a bargain struck. The father doesn't trade forgiveness for good behavior. He kisses the prodigal son before he gets his confession out of his mouth. By the way, that's a shameless plug for men's morning. We're going to go through a Capon book on the parables. Come Thursday morning, guys, sign up. Back to our regular schedule programming. <laughs> I'll tell you, God's awesome, right? We don't keep this command. We don't do it. It's a problem. And keeping the third command would involve never ever bartering our goodness for God's, thinking we deserve the good that comes our way, never demeaning his incredible mercy and his godness. And boy, it's just, ah, oh, I wish I did. I haven't. I, and I said, well, I, I want to. I just don't. Okay, there's one more. Number four. We are per, to protect this is Martin Luther saying, well, this is what the, this commandment of not taking the name of the Lord in vain means. And he said this fourth one is, we are protect the holy name of God against all who misuse it. He said, finally, one I can fight over. 
not allow to pass anything that is not purely holding up the name of God to represent him perfectly. People love to politicize this one. We think we need to go to war to defend God's holy name. And then we justify our own opinions. And that's crazy. Right? We, we represent God. Even, even, even as we, because we are representing him, right? We're standing up and saying, okay, I'm not going to take his name in vain. I'm his people. I'm a Christian. And I'm going to follow this commandment and represent him perfectly. But then even my presentation of truth to people is ungracious. And I break it. I'm representing God and I'm this unloving slug as I pound people with my truth. I would be ashamed to take you into some of my seminary conversations where we sat around. I mean, it was all in good fun, kind of. Except we went away mad. Or around my family table where I have three brothers, the three of us, we have different theological expectations around dispensationalism and the new covenant. Oh my goodness. Technical as all get out. And more often than not, my dad, who had Parkinson's disease and died last year, would stop saying... At the end, he would just say, kids, love each other. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And you realize you're fighting for truth in such a way that you're misrepresenting God in an incredibly poor way. And yet I'm supposed to. What am I supposed to do? Prevent this, not take the name of the Lord in vain. Means that, that, that that's defending the name of God as people misuse it. You know how they're misusing it now in politics all over, aren't they? On both sides, somebody to stand up and say, God's a Republican, I want to throw a rock at him. Or God's a Democrat, I want to throw another rock. And then I'm in, you know, John 8, where Jesus is writing, let him without sin is throws the first rock. And he realizes, I can't throw any rocks. I can just go, man, it breaks my heart. Because I feel like God is a God of amazing. The gospel is amazing. And you should stand for what God stands for. You should, you should stand for life because God loves it. You should stand, but, but stand for politics around and say, God wants this and I know it. You better be sure, otherwise you're breaking this command in spades. How sure are you really? I mean, I've done this as a parent, right? I use guilt to, 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 to shape my kid, and God's not a God of guilt. He doesn't want guilt to shape, but I do because I just want the thing done. Or I get angry, and I represent, because I'm representing God to my kids. This is the role I'm in. I'm the father. There's another father somewhere. Oh, yeah, in the Bible. And here I go as a father, and I'm not the father I should be. I'm representing God wrongly, and I'm breaking this command. When you represent God in error, you're violating the third commandment. When you represent God in a manner that doesn't reflect him, you're violating this commandment. This is taking the Lord's name in vain because to misrepresent God and who he is, I'm exalting myself and who I am and and my ideas over God's. This is the problem of the garden. I think I know. I eat this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I can tell you the list of what God's going to hold to. But that list isn't God. God is God. I think of the garden, don't you? And where, where, where Peter, he's so, he's, he's going, I know what God, he takes his sword and he cuts off an ear. And there's Jesus and Jesus says, wait, whoa, 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 stop, Peter. You don't know what you're doing. And I feel that some way. I feel the weight of this commandment saying, stop, Dax. 
Protecting the holy name of God is to avoid all this stuff, including politicizing, including this idea. But, and, and God is the God of us, right? So there's not the God of, of, of America. That would be terrible. You know, God's the God of the Burkina Bay. That's the country I was in, Burkina Faso. God of the Venezuelans. God of the Russians, God of the Ukrainians, God of the Americans, God of every single human that has ever lived. The only God that there is for them is our God. What are we representing when you pull him into the world, when you profane his incredible sacrifice and mercy for the passing desire to win an argument about non-critical things? That's violating this commandment. Don't profane his name. Don't take his name in vain. His name is the name that saves. His name is our hope. His name pierces hearts. His name touches the leper. He loves the unlovable. He embraces the wrong person in my eyes. And that mostly then pushes me towards to represent him rightly, to not take his name in vain, is to walk in humility all the time. I'm nothing. Can can I show you my savior? (laughs) Essential humility in this command, and I failed it so often. Forgive me for implying I am strong when I'm weak, for for implying that I'm right when I don't know, for, for representing God when I'm just representing me. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm taking his name in vain. It's from the New Testament. It says this, says this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Men agitate you. Because I say praise God and hallelujah, and I sing worship songs. Where's my heart? You know where my heart is sometimes? Where's my cup of coffee? I mean, just literally here, Sunday morning worship. It's like every single moment I should just be, I'm just dying to get into his presence. I'm just dying. You know, you know what I do? <laughs> I did this morning even. I was just watching myself do it and laughing. I was like, okay, okay, let's praise. I'm getting in song and Molly's doing a great job leading us. And I, I lift my arms to, to the Lord. And then I kind of think, oh, I wonder if people are looking at my arms. I wonder if I should raise them down, down a little bit like this. I wonder maybe I shouldn't even raise my arms because someone's going to not like it. Why do I care? Let's talk about weighting the name of God rightly. God is the one who, like, is the only one who matters. Why am I worried about you? I'll tell you why. I'm a sinner. I think about what you're thinking rather than about what, and I'm not thinking about preferences or I'm going to cause someone to stumble. I get all that. I'm talking about I'm sitting there instead of focused on worshiping the God of the universe who has saved my soul and every breath that I have. I'm worried about what guys in the back row are thinking. Why do I care? Why do you? Because we're sinners. Because we break the third commandment. Because in actuality, we ought to be people who are just like not caring at all. So these imperfect thoughts or actions, this representing God wrongly, this not totally depending on him, not praising or exalting him every moment with not just my lips, but my heart, not not avoiding all personal honor and glory for me, he who is perfect and you who are his representative, O Christian, you bear his name, That's literally take his name. 
how are you doing? This is what I'm doing. I take it in vain a lot. And I rarely, if ever, use swear words. Because that's not what this is. What I want to do is ask a question of if you really go there with me, and my heart breaks, my heart breaks this morning. What I'm trying to do so often is to say, I want to do better. Notice I didn't actually say that to you. I'm just telling you you are. But you supply that with your own flesh and your own heart. And it's a natural desire. You say, I want to do better. Thanks, Dax, for telling me. I hadn't really thought about the depth of the third commandment before. I'll do better. We can form little groups and help each other do better. We'll call them accountability groups. Is it going to work? Are you going to keep this commandment? Is that the way? And, and, and throughout history, it has been the way we've tried. So I want to show you a movie clip. I'm going to show you two little movie clips as we end today. This is the first one. I want to show you a movie clip. It's from my youth, so I'm sorry. That means it's probably in black and white. It's not true. I'm not that old. It's a movie called The Mission. It's a movie with Robert De Niro, and he's done some horrible things. Horrible things. He has not represented God well. And so he wants to bear this guilt and he's carrying it with him in the form of all the armor that has the symbol of his atrocities that he's done. So watch this for a minute with me. Let's do it. There they are, all the things he's carrying. He won't let them go. And he's got friends. And his friends help him carry it so he can get up this cliff. And there he is. It's hard. Sometimes your friends get distracted.
So that's the clip. This idea that, uh, that if you have some help from your friends, if you stick to it, if you work at this, if you, if you say, okay, Dax, you've told me. Thank you very much for telling me and thank you for going into it. This hits my heart. It's deep. I got it. I appreciate your own self-sharing uh, about your failures. I, I, I'm, I'm with some help and we'll get some help. We'll do this. We'll get her done. What's the problem? I'm, what, 40 years in as a Christian? It's as true of me today as it was when I started. I don't keep this commandment. The weight and the stuff is still there. I bear it around and I'm carrying it around. There's no freedom in it. There's no life in it. There's just guilt. I, I try and do a little better. Sometimes I get up the cliff, but guess what? We st- when we left, he still has all that garbage that he's carrying. It didn't go away because he still does it. And the people you've harmed from that and the number one person you harm by taking the Lord's name in vain is the Lord. What are you doing? And so he doesn't say, oh, I'm changing so you never have that trouble. What he does is you deserve death, but I'm saving you. And that's where the joy is, you guys. One more clip. Let's look at this one. It's going to go fast, so you've got to watch where the knife is, this tribe for this guy, because he's done atrocities against this tribe. They're going to they're slice his throat, and instead they decide to do something else. <laughs> Cut it off. Feel what it does to him. talk about freedom and this is the experience of it. So if, if, if what you get out of that is, oh, I didn't know Liam Neeson was in that film. <laughs> you missed it, huh? You missed it. Because the whole idea is that instead of actually carrying the weight of having failed and knowing that you failed and adding to it as you continue to fail, instead, if that could be cut away, 
that the guilt of our sin cut away, that forgiveness actually is the means. And what we have to tell people to represent God rightly is this, that our hope is not in keeping the third commandment. And my, my, my statement to you today from the pulpit, from my heart to you, is that you don't keep the 10th commandment. And if you want to, or 10th, <laughs> any of them, but certainly not the third. <laughs> you don't do it. Say, well, okay, you hear, when you hear that, what you hear is, I'll work on it if you'll help me, and you're in the first video. But if what you hear is, I don't help me, God, now you're a Christian. Because now you're in the space that says, oh, what I need is the forgiveness of God for me, who doesn't take away your sin, like, like, like cut it out. He forgives you. He takes the burden away. He says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's not the rest of perfection. It's not the rest of your works now being better. It's the rest of his works for you. This is the amazing hope that we have, right? That Christianity isn't by us. Christianity and God and Christ and all that he does is, is for us. So I I call you to that today. I call you to this amazing hope that we have. And the hope starts with getting that law law high and getting your anthropology low to say with me and agree with all your heart, I don't keep this command. It's not really about, although it certainly includes, not, not being a gutter mouth. It includes, and, and it's this deep, amazing thing of valuing, waiting God w- w- rightly with my mouth and my heart, with praise on my lips, with humility and nothing, honor in myself all the time, every day, in every way. And then I don't do it. My only hope is that God in Christ has come and he does it. He actually did do it, right? Do you remember him in the desert when the, desert when the devil is tempting him and he reflects him right back to his father, all honor to the father. You see him over and over doing, not my will. I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm conveying to you and praying, God, my father, uh, what I would like, but not my will, but your will be done. And he meant it, every second of it. He did it perfectly and not like us. Oh, wretched man that I am, says, says Romans 7, right at the end there. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Okay, first you've got to agree that you're in a body of death. Who will deliver me? And then Paul writes, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one. No condemnation, weight gone, burden removed. The weight of the law that accuses me answered forever. Welcome. Oh, we have much cause to rejoice this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for giving us a a high law that reveals our own hearts. And Lord, we want to do better. Lord, we know our hope is in you. Jesus and what you've done for us and all the ways that you actually held us and kept us and still keep us even now for salvation to be revealed when you return. And Father, I pray for everyone here that we would stand on the right things. We would represent you well. Lord, we would be open about our failures because we are free because of what you've done for us. Thank you for your forgiveness, Jesus. We can't hardly believe it, but we sure love you because of it. In your name.
Amen.